receive your word and is read and proclaimed. Encourage or convict, comfort or confront, as you know we need, empowering us to respond in obedient faithfulness. Amen. Our Psalter is read responsively. It is Psalm 29, found on page 761 and on the screen. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Cedars of Lebanon. The Lord makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, and Siron like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. In his temple, all cry glory. The Lord sets enthroned over the flood. The Lord sets enthroned as ruler forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Our Old Testament lesson comes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two of them they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I'd invite you to stand for our song of preparation, Open the Eyes of My Heart.
invite you to remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I have said you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, and yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. I invite you to be seated. There are two Sundays on the church calendar that are not part of the revised common lectionary. One is the closest Sunday to July 4th, and that's when the associate pastor preaches. <laughs> and the second is Trinity Sunday, where the associate pastor preaches. Because no one wants to take on that job, right? Well, our associate pastor was wise enough to be on vacation today. <laughs> In her book, Home by Another Way, Barbara Brown Taylor wrote a sermon on the Trinity entitled, Three Hands Clapping. Let that sit with you for a moment. She says, preachers tie themselves into knots trying to explain what the Trinity means. One Trinity Sunday, she said, I found a lumpy envelope on the hood of my car. And inside was a Three Musketeers candy bar with a note that read, All for one and one for three, happy Trinity. <laughs> Taylor says, I don't know why we hold ourselves responsible for explaining things that cannot be explained. Perhaps the most faithful sermon on the Trinity is one that sniffs around the edges of mystery, hunting for something closer to an experience than an understanding. So this morning... Let's sniff around the edges a little bit and we'll freely acknowledge what we don't know and celebrate the one who knows each one of us. To be sure, the Trinity is not an easy thing to consider at any age. I know one pastor who teaches his youth during confirmation a mantra 
he says to the compromands, if you understand it, and the compromands respond, it is not God. You see, mystery is not something that is comprehended or controlled. The mystery of God is not information that we somehow master. Jesus says this in today's gospel. He says, the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from, or you don't know where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You see, the mystery of faith, the mystery of the Trinity, is to be experienced. As people of faith, we are to allow God to envelop us and to, to shroud us in the mystery of the Trinity because it is the mystery of God's eternal love. And when we do this, when we allow Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to enter our lives, and when we grow to trust in the three-in-one God, it's then that we begin to make space in our lives for transformation, <clears throat> where we come to grow in our relationship with God and in our relationship with each other, and we learn a little bit about ourselves and how to care for our, ourselves. You know, many symbols have been used over the years to try and explain the Trinity. Most confirmation classes have all heard about water and vapor and ice. All being different, but very much the same. Well, it's in the curriculum a lot of times, but just not good theology. Because you see, water and vapor and ice, they don't coexist with one another like the Trinity does, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then there's the shamrock the three-leaf clover, where you have three distinct leaves all making up the clover. And again, not a good theology. <laughs> because the three leaves, as I've said, are distinct. And though similar in nature, they are not the same in nature. Each leaf can live on its own. I've come to really appreciate British writer Sarah Maitland's imagery of the Trinity. She says, my favorite model of the Trinity is like a child's pigtail. If the Trinity is seen as a plat, with three equal strands, um, and you pull one of the strands out, the whole thing collapses. And so, in as much as there is a Trinitarian God, his threefold revelation makes perfect sense because you cannot have any two of the sources, Father, Son, Spirit, without having them all because the whole thing falls apart. I think this is what Rublev was trying to um, convey in his icon of the Trinity. By the way, you won't offend me if you on your smartphone want to pull up Rublev's icon of the Trinity. Uh, it's a beautiful icon. Um, it's known as the Old Testament Trinity. It comes from Genesis 18 where three visitors come and visit Abraham and he provides them hospitality with a meal and with fellowship. The icon of Rublev has the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sitting around a table. The Father on the left acknowledges Jesus in the middle. Jesus acknowledges the Spirit, and the Spirit acknowledges both of them. I think Rublev depicts that the three persons of the Godhead are always working together, never one without the other. You see, Father, Son, and Spirit are more nouns than verbs. The Father is who he is by virtue of forever birthing the Son. The Spirit is who he is by forever being breathed in and out by the Father and the Son. They're inseparable. To say it another way, the Father is the Father because he is Father of the Son. And the Son is the Son because he is the Son of the Father. And the Spirit of them both because of the love 
that exists between them. It's because of their relationship, their community, their mutual love that they are Trinity. In today's gospel, Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus in a language of community and relationship and love. Nicodemus is drawn to Jesus because Jesus has something that Nicodemus wants. Jesus has some kind of a relationship with God that Nicodemus wants to know and to experience. He's just not fascinated with Jesus, the miracle worker. He sees a relationship that Jesus has with God that he hungers for. And in helping Nicodemus to enter into this kind of relationship with God, Jesus uses Trinitarian language, telling Nicodemus he must be born from above. He must be born of God's kingdom values and is the spirit of God that will empower him to live into the kingdom values. <clears throat> so Nicodemus is being invited to learn God in his life, to experience God in his life. <clears throat> We hear in John 3.16 the familiar passage, don't we? God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. But John 3.17 is where Jesus ends up with this, saying that God the Father loves the entirety of the world so much that he sent God the Son that all may be drawn into him through the life and death and resurrection that is made power by the Spirit of God. This is Trinitarian language of relationship and hospitality and love. And Jesus tells us that the Trinity is the gift of salvation, that it takes the full community of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to provide salvation for the world. You see, if God were only Father and Creator, we would be left in our sins, and the problem of evil would be overwhelming. If God were only Son and Redeemer, then our redemption would become one of individualism and tribalism, where we would be taken out of the world instead of remaining in the world and then if God were only spirit and sanctifier then the faith our faith would be reduced to little more than an isolated inner experience the need for the full trinity makes perfect sense when Jesus gave the disciples of the great commission if you remember he didn't say go baptize only in the father's name or only in the son's name or only in the spirit's name he said go baptize teach in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. After all is said and done, we considered all the various images of trying to wrap our minds around the Trinity, even with pigtails. We fall short, don't we? We come up wanting. We do our best. But if you remember my pastor friend's mantra, if you understand it, it is not God. The Trinity is not to be understood, but to be experienced. We are to allow ourselves to be enfolded into the love of the Holy Trinity. And as we are loved, we are to turn to others in love. That's the truth. That's the gospel of the Trinity. It's about relationship and community and love. And this is the gift of the Trinity for us. And as we accept it and embrace it and grow into it, we are transformed. We are compelled then to share the love of the Trinity with others. Now, the past, this past week, we more than likely, we either heard or read uh, the homily for, from Bishop Michael Curry. He made kind of a splash at, the, uh, at Windsor Chapel, didn't he? He preached about the power of love. He said, ultimately, the source of love is God himself, the source of all our lives. 
Now, Curry never used the word Trinity to speak of the power of love, but neither does the Bible ever use the word Trinity to speak of the power of love. But he preached the promise and the power and the gospel of the Trinity. I'm going to offer some, uh, an excerpt from his sermon because I could not have said it as well. <laughs> he says, Think and imagine a world where love is the way. Imagine our homes and family where love is the way. Imagine neighborhoods and communities where love is the way. Imagine governments and nations where love is the way. Imagine businesses and commerce where love is the way. Imagine this tired old world where love is the way. When love is the way, he says, when it is unselfish, sacrificial, when it's redemptive. When love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth becomes a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay down our swords and shields by the riverside to study war no more. When love is the way, there's plenty good room, he says, plenty good room for all of God's children. Because when love is the way, we actually treat each other like we're actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is a source of us all. We're brothers and sisters. We're children of God. That's a new heaven. That's a new earth. That's a new world. That's a new human family. As I've already said, if we don't take away anything else today about the Trinity, know that Trinity is about our salvation. It's about the Father who created the world and all that is in it. It's about the Son who, because of how much damage we've done in the world to nature and to one another that the son redeems us makes us whole again and it's the spirit who reconciles us to to god and to one another through the spirit's power the spirit as the apostle paul says is shedding love abroad in our hearts and here's the thing the only way we can experience the love of the trinity is to receive it as a gift we can't reach out and take it we just have to open our hands and empty our hands of those things that stand in the way between us and between our Lord. With open hands, we are free of those things that stand in the way. <clears throat> the love of the Holy Trinity is the love that binds us together in the community of the church, that heals our brokenness. It's a love that tells us that being a disciple of Jesus is what we're called to do, but it's not easy. It requires us to bear the cross of Jesus' love. It compels us to let loose the power of love into those places in the world where healing and transformation are needed. This is the gospel of the Trinity, the truth of the Trinity, the healer of the wounded, the lover of the loveless, the community of the isolated, the comfort of those in pain, the purpose for those who need guidance for direction, the salvation for those who need to be made whole. <clears throat> this is the gospel. This is the love of the Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand, and let us profess that which we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting.